Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. All right, Transformation Church, it is good to be here with you. We have student takeover today. I just, yeah, man. We get to the opportunity to be crazy. I mean, that was our, our video from camp. We just went to Odenville, Alabama two weeks ago with our students, went to camp. We played in the mud. We got crazy. It was wild. There were all kinds of games, and we play games on Wednesday night. We do all of these crazy things for the opportunity to talk to students about Jesus. And it's amazing what God can do. It's amazing what God is doing in the next generation. And so today is our chance to share that with you. And I know talking to a lot of our students about it, they believe God put something on their heart to share with you guys today. So today is not just a day of like, oh, that's cute. Like, I think God is using them in some incredible ways. And so today I want to, I want to get you guys in on this. Let's get crazy for them. Let's get excited. We're going to have a variety of speakers come up here. It takes a lot of guts to get up here. And so we're so pumped they're up here. We're going to have some media, some different things. We like to communicate in all different kinds of ways. And so that is what's planned for today. But I get the pleasure to introduce our very first speaker. So we're going to try and get really loud for her. Okay, here we go. Our first speaker today is Savannah Lima. So give it up for her. Hey guys, hey. Yeah, so my name is Savannah, or Smidge, as some of you might know me, and I'm one of the interns here at Transformation Church. And I just recently had my last TY as a student, like this past Wednesday, like four whole days ago. And up until that night, I could not wait to be a leader. Like I bugged the heck out of Pastor Dan and Pastor Dylan every single Wednesday, four months on end. Like, I was like, hey, When do I get to be a leader? Because I'm about to graduate and move out and be an adult and have responsibilities. And I was so, I so desperately wanted to get to the leader role so badly that I forgot how to be a student in the first place. I missed out on so many amazing moments and opportunities as a student and with the other students because I was trying to get to this next season of life way too quickly. Because I thought that there was something better I needed to be doing than what I was currently doing. So if there's any students in here, I want to give you a quick encouragement. Soak every moment up until the very last second because you can't get it back and it's one of the best times you're ever going to have. And for anybody else in here, any season you're going through, soak it up until you can't anymore. Even if it's bad or ugly, there's a reason for it. So that being said, that's what I'm going to be talking about today is embracing your season. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to be mainly in Ecclesiastes 3, where Simon declares that in God's wise plan, everything is approximately timed. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, it says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. It says it right there, plain as can be, that there's a season for literally everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we need to embrace all of it because life isn't meant to be just a flat line of goodness and joy, because it gets boring and it gets plain. Life is meant to be like a heartbeat where it goes up and down and has really high highs and really low lows. And 
one of my most recent really highs was moving out and getting to experience this new chapter of very young adulthood and being on my own. And some lows I had recently was my relationship with my parents, which is why I was so eager to move on to my next season because the situation at home was not what you might have thought if you've ever really talked to me. Um, I'm pretty good at putting on a mask about the home life. But you have to embrace all of it because those low times are going to teach you something. And for me, it taught me how to be patient and try and understand people to the best of my abilities when I felt like I had zero patience left to give. And we're so good at giving God glory in those times when everything is amazing and wonderful. But I rarely ever hear people talk about those ugly seasons that we're in with the perspective of God is trying to grow me. And a lot of seasons that we're going to be in involve being uncomfortable and growing, but we can rest in knowing that God has a purpose for our season. You're sitting in the middle of an opportunity to see God move in you when you're uncomfortable and when you're growing. And why on earth would we want to miss out on an opportunity to see the Almighty God moving in and around you? You wouldn't. It doesn't make sense why you would want to miss that. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You're not going to know what's coming next. You might have an idea based off of what God has spoken to you, but you're not going to know when it's going to come or how it's going to come. And God is the only one who truly knows. And he has planned your entire life out in the order it's supposed to be in for a reason and for a purpose. And at this point, you might be wondering, how is it even possible to embrace those ugly seasons of life? Well, truly embracing a season means saying yes to what the Lord has for you moment to moment. And we don't want to be so busy trying to get to our next season that we're missing what God is doing right here right now. And just because you're embracing a season doesn't mean you necessarily have to enjoy the season you're in. You can embrace it to the full extent with wanting it to end. And for all those times when we're not enjoying a season and we're confused and we're frustrated, we can run to God and we can ask him questions. He encourages us to be curious and to ask questions and to wonder. Because in Jeremiah 33:3 it says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. He's going to answer whatever questions you may have, but be prepared. You might not like the answer or it might be an answer you weren't expecting. Because when God is telling us something different than what we want to hear or he's telling us no, it's because he has something better for us that we haven't even thought about yet. We haven't even thought the possibility of that happening to us. But he has it waiting for us. And if nothing else today, I want to encourage you to take one thing with you. Your present has a purpose for your future. So don't fight it, but embrace it. Thank you. Okay, my name is Braden Wycheck, and I'm one of the interns here at Transformation Church this summer. And my topic today is serving the next gen, because all they need is a little light in their dark room. Have you noticed that in the world today, it's really hard to discern between light and darkness? That's because not all darkness looks like a villain. Not all evil is really that dark. We're all worried about the devil that kills, steals, and destroys, but we never talk about the devil that Paul referred to as someone who masked himself as an angel of light. The devil is not going to make it 
obvious all the time. And that's why I think when you look around at the youngest generation, if you could define them as anything, it would be confused. They're growing up in a world that was different from when I was a kid, let alone when you guys were kids. <laughs> in today's world, it's hard to find a kid that's not distracted by technology. We have to have game consoles in the kids' area to keep them entertained for the short amount of free time that they have. And it's not just kids. Teens can remember the lyrics to their favorite rap song, but never verses of the Bible. We as teens and adults need to guide these kids differently. We need to guide them towards Jesus, not just another distraction this world provides. If you have your Bibles, extra points for you. Today, we will be in Psalm 78. Psalm 78, six through eight says, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. So do any of you guys remember when you were kids and your parents told you you couldn't get like a certain toy or candy? So, you di so your stubbornness that clearly came from your mom comes out and, <laughs> and you decide to cry your way out of the store thinking that they'll change their mind. Well, what God is saying is we need to teach the genera next generation to not do that. Now, if you get those kids to not do that, you have superpowers or something because that's not real. The reason we need to serve and teach the next generation is so they don't make the same mistakes we made. Some people don't know Jesus until they're dying. Some people wish we met Jesus earlier. Some of us wish we prayed more during a difficult part of our lives. The thing is, is we don't have a time machine. What we do have is the next generation. Something that I see happen all too often is the fact that nobody wants to pray until they have something to pray for. We blame God because it's easier than fixing things. We watch the news and we ask, if God's really real, then where is he? And the same God that we question might not even exist only becomes real to us but when we're dying. The problem isn't God's lack of care, it's our inconsistency, it's our lack of care. Sunday needs to be more than just another day, more than just another box checked off on our checklist. That's why we need to guide the next generation to be better than us, to be kids who would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Throughout my internship, I've been reading this book about how to grow a youth group. And the first chapter talks about the fact that you can have the best worship, the best lighting, the best sermon. But if you don't first create a relationship with the person, they may never wanna come back. That is why it's so important to have people serving the next generation because kids need to create bonds to feel welcomed. I feel like no matter what classroom I've been in, there's always a poster that says, I have the future of the world in my classroom. Well, we have the future of the world in our church. I serve the next generation as a student myself because the world needs change. There are no time machines or notes for my younger self. That's why we have the next generation, so they can be the change. The best part about serving the next generation is I get to see the influence Jesus has on them. I get to see not only how Jesus changes their lives, but also the lives of people around them. All they need is a little light, 
brothers, sisters, moms and dads, you can be the light in the dark room because even the smallest light in the darkest of rooms is noticeable. And plus, what's better than trying to break out of an escape room with a bunch of 10-year-olds? If you're wondering what being with a bunch of 10-year-olds for three amazing days of teamwork is like, check out Team 45 Camp. Hi, my name is Ava Lopez, and me and my family have been going to Transformation Church for about a year now. And I truly love this community, and I really see this place as a home, and I've been welcomed with open arms to the family inside these walls. I don't have much time to speak, and God gave me something beautiful to share with y'all, so I'm not going to waste any time. He told me to talk about how his love is so relentless that nothing you could have done in this world would be able to separate you from his love. Something God taught me about his love is at camp just the other week, I walked in there not really expecting much to happen out of it other than having fun with friends. And the season I was in was very dry and lonely, so I was hoping to be cheered up going. And I, with me being far from God, I started to take control over things in my life and started putting my time and energy into my phone and reading up on celebrities instead of reading into the word. This caused me to feel shame for the things I was doing, and shame is never a pleasant feeling. It was painful, confusing, and even overwhelming at times. With that shame I had, I told myself I needed to hide from God, and I felt unworthy of his love. Yet on the last day of camp, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with his love. (laughs) He taught me that even in the most broken and ugly situations, he will always show up. I was healed in areas I didn't know I needed healing, and things were brought alive in me that had been dead and buried for so long. And this is what I wanted to talk with you this morning about, is that maybe some of you have felt that same feeling of shame that I had. And when we feel shame, we want to pull away. But I encourage you to press in because the word word promises in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. So we all know Jesus died for us, but do you know he died for you knowing the amount of times you're going to walk away from him? He knows what we have done, what we're going to do, and what we're currently doing, and he still chooses to lavish us in his love. Do you know that even when you don't have a single thought about him, he is always thinking about you? God knows the shame you feel, but do you know that that is not a feeling that comes from him? Even though we are still sinners, he shows his very own love towards us. He loves us so much that he sent his only son down on this world to be put on a cross. He gave us a way to speak with him through Jesus and be saved and spend eternal life with him. He wants to remove that shameful feeling and provide his unconditional and everlasting love. His love is so important that we see it in the Old and New Testament. In the Old Testament, there's a story in Isaiah 45 that talks about the Israelites and how God works in mysterious ways towards them. And they felt ashamed for the idols they were worshiping. But that Israel shall be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation and that they shall not be ashamed or disgraced forever and ever. And in the New Testament, in John 8, It's a story of an adulteress and how the Pharisees brought her before Jesus and told him that according to the law of Moses, she deserved to be stoned. 
But Jesus went up in front of her and drew a line in the sand. And when he stood up, he asked the Pharisees, he said to the Pharisees, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. After that, the people began to walk away one after the other, and Jesus and the woman were left there. And he asked her that if any one of them condemned her. And she said no. And Jesus replied to her, saying, so neither will I condemn you. God's love is so relentless. And a person who is relentless is described as being determined to do something and not give up. God will not give up on you in any situation you're in. The way God loves is in a way that is so unyielding and constant, and he will chase after you with everything he has in you to shower you in his love. God doesn't want us to feel ashamed of anything, but to feel worthy of his love. He loves the sinner, but not the sin. He says that forever and ever you shall not be ashamed. His love will always be more powerful over anything the enemy could ever try and tell you. So let me ask you this last question. What is the enemy telling you to be ashamed for that God has already shown love for? Amen. Amen. I love that testimony and I've, I've got to watch it and, and listen to it all week. I've known that young man since he's about seven years old and I remember his first haircut and his haircut is, he's challenging. He's got some calyx and stuff. So we got to work through some things together, not just spiritually, but <laughs> it's a lot. So good morning, Transformation Church. My name is Dan Fredan. I have the privilege of being the student pastor here. Yeah. Woo! So if you've been encouraged by these testimonies of what God has been doing in these lives of these students and these young people at Transformation, make some noise for them. It's not easy getting up here and sharing with you guys from the heart like that. So our next gen team had the privilege to take 49 students to summer camp. You guys got to see that recap video. If you were there, make some noise. And so we got to have crazy experiences. We got to see some super wild games. They're painful. I'm suffering for it. I played dizzy bat and dislocated a rib and got a concussion. And that was on the first day. So we got to endure through all of that. And it was an absolute blast. We got to see some beautiful worship and we got to hear some phenomenal preaching. And so as we went through the week and we knew we were coming up to student takeover, I was like, I want to, I want to bring them something monumental. I want to bring them something so profound. And so I started trying to recap from the week and I was like, oh, we're going to give them some sort of amazing, you know, equation for what it takes to bring life change to a young person, what it takes to, you know, our 10 easy steps to put a soul on fire for Jesus. And I kept thinking and I kept going through it and I couldn't find one. And it's not because one doesn't exist because it does. I was just looking at it from the wrong perspective. I was looking at it from the perspective of what do we, what do I, what does our team need to do? What program, what this, what that do we need to put in place to where we can get the absolute most out of our experiences? And those things aren't bad. That's not what I'm saying. It's not saying throw all of the programs and all of the schedules out the window. Those things are lifesavers, especially in student ministry or else there would just be mad chaos all the time. And so, but I started asking, okay, maybe I'm looking at this from the wrong perspective. And so I went back to the drama. I said, God, how do you change a heart? How do you take a soul and set it on fire for the things that you're passionate about? And then I started to think at it from that perspective. And I went back to the very first night of camp. And I realized that our guest speaker at camp, he answered that question for me night one. And I just didn't see it. 
So the title of his sermon that first night, which turned into the theme for the whole week, and a lot of our students know it, is the answer to that equation is, it's just Jesus. That's it. There's nothing else. There's no secret code to crack. There's nothing. There's no trick in their back pocket that you can just pull out and just throw it at the situation, and it's all going to be magical and better. It's just Jesus. But then I was like, God, but what's my part in that? You're more than enough, but God, I I want in on it too. I wanted some investment in this too. What's my part in all this? And so then as we get to, we looked at Revelation 12, 11. It says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. It's just Jesus and what he's done for you. That's it. That's it. There's nothing else to it but Jesus and your story. And so for every person in here that says, oh, well, you know, I got the first half of that equation. I got Jesus, but my story, you know, I either grew up in church and my story is not real important. It's not real significant to, you know, you know, it's not really going to help anybody. I'm going to prove you wrong right now. So what I need everybody to do is we're going to, if you're 18 and older, raise your hand. Woo, we're going to have some fun. All right, let's go on a little adventure. All right, so I need everybody that just raise your hand. I need you to close your eyes. And I need you to think back. Some of us, this is going to be way further back than others, and some of us, it's not so far. Think back to junior high. Mm, yeah. Now that you're back in the halls of your junior high school, think about your sixth grade yearbook photo. Think about your haircut, your outfit. Some of you haven't even grown into your ears yet. And if you're like me and you believed your mom that that flat top haircut actually really looked good on you. So open your eyes. Now I have a question for that sixth grader. What do you want to be when you grow up? And now I want you to turn to somebody around you that you don't know. And I want you to introduce yourself and what you wanted to be when you were in the sixth grade. And then share with them what you do now. Go ahead. Go for it. Find somebody. Find somebody right now. Introduce yourself. My name is, and I wanted to be a marine biologist. And I wanted to live in Hawaii. All right. So I need all of my folks that are 18 and older to throw your hands back up. Keep your hand up if what you do now is what you wanted to do when you were in the sixth grade. Shoot, yeah. Some of you haven't. Okay. Praise God. For most of us, though, What we wanted to be and what we became are miles and miles apart from each other. But I can guarantee you that every step of your journey from your sixth grade yearbook photo to you sitting in this room today has been littered with heartbreak and sorrow. But it's also had joy and it's also had excitement and it's also had so many things that you didn't expect around every twist and turn. 
losing all my papers. It's all good. I don't need them anyways. And then there's some of you sitting in this room who are on the opposite end of that equation. And you said, I've got a story that no one would believe if I told them. And if I told you, you wouldn't look at me the same way. You'd reject me. You'd forget all about me. You'd forget you even knew me. And I say, try me. Because the piece you're missing, it's just Jesus. The thing that takes your story and turns it just from a simple story into a testimony, it's just Jesus. The blood of Jesus that was spilled on that hill is what covers all the cracks of your broken story and it's what turns into a beautiful masterpiece. Every last bit of everything you've gone to is to help the person sitting next to you because that person that you just introduced yourself to may be going through the things that you've gone through. And as a believer, it's your obligation to open up your mouth and to say something. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, we thank you for everyone in this place. God, we thank you for those of us who have a journey and we've known you and that maybe the things we've been through, we've just never talked about. If you're, if you're in this place and you've been scared to, to share with those around you what God's done for fear of judgment or fear that somebody is going to shame you because of the story that God has walked with you through, slip your hand up. If you've been afraid to share what God has done in your life because of what people might think, throw your hand up. God, thank you for the boldness all across this room. God, we love you so much. We ask that you would send your spirit to, to loose their lips and that they would proclaim the great things that you have done in this place. And that your word would resound on their lips to the younger generation and that their ears would be open to receive all that you have, all those who have come before and all those who are to come after. And then maybe in this place, you're on the flip side of that equation and you have a story that nobody would believe and you just need Jesus. If that's you in this place, you say, I've, I've, I've never had the other half. I've never had the missing piece of the equation. I've, I've never known what the whole point was. It's just Jesus. If that's you in this place and you need Jesus in this place, throw your hand up. Thank you for your boldness. God, we thank you for the lives and the hearts that are changed in this place, not only today, but every Sunday and the days to come. That these people would find refuge in the torrent that they find outside these doors. God, we love you so much. God, we pray for rain in a dry place. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' mighty name and all his people said, amen, amen, amen. Y'all make some noise for what's happening in the house of the Lord today. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.